0: And welcome to the reading of the Dubuque Telegraph-Herald for Tuesday, February 21, 2023. I'm your reader, Bill Petrosky. and local news headlines, Wisconsin voters head to polls today. Wisconsin voters head to the polls today for spring primary election. Polls will be open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. And voters can find their polling places online by visiting myvote.com. WI.gov. Grant County voters will narrow the field of candidates running for a local circuit court judge seat. Reserve Judge Jennifer Day and attorneys Lisa Rinneker and Jeffrey Erickson will appear on the primary ballot with the top two vote getters facing off in the spring election on April 4th. They are running for the seat of circuit, judge, circuit court judge Robert Van de Hay, who announced late last year he will not seek another term. Local voters were also narrow the field for an area three seat on the Iowa Grant School Board. Greg Clark, Aaron Freimerler, Angela Kiefer, and Jeff Speth are running in the primary for the seat statewide. Jennifer Darrow, Daniel Kelly, Everett Mitchell, and Janet Pertaskiewicz are running in a nonpartisan primary for an open seat on the Iowa Supreme, or on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. The top two vote getters will advance to the April 4th election. Authorities say a Dubuque County inmate injured four officers, tried to grab a stun gun. Authorities said a Dubuque County jail inmate armed himself with a metal drawer, injured four correction officers, and tried to grab one of their stun guns Monday. Jerrell D. Johnson, 31, of Chicago, was arrested at the jail on charges of disarming a peace officer first-degree harassment and two counts each of assault on persons in certain occupations and interference with official acts and injury, with injury. Court documents state that four correction officers responded at around 3 a.m. when Johnson was causing a disturbance in his cell and yelling loudly. Johnson refused to cooperate with, quote, handcuffing procedures so he could be removed from his cell and he threatened to kill one of the corrections officers. He, quote, armed himself with a large metal drawer from under the cell bunk Documents state, Johnson refused numerous warnings by staff to drop the door and cooperate. When officers entered Johnson's cell, he was, quote, thrashing his arms and attempted to grab a stun gun when it was pulled out by one officer. Johnson kicked two officers and injured two other officers before being arrested. Johnson has been in jail since October on charges of second-degree sexual abuse, enticing a minor under age 16, third-degree sexual abuse, two counts of intimidation with a dangerous weapon, three counts of violation of probation, and seven counts of contempt. Court documents state that Johnson sexually abused a girl who at the time was younger than 16 at a Dubuque residence in 2020 and also attempted to sexually abuse her in 2021. Court documents also state that Johnson threatened a Dubuque woman and her children with a handgun in September 2020 and again in January 2021. Scholarships available for River Museum camps in Dubuque. A Dubuque Museum is offering a limited number of scholarships for students to attend educational programming. A fundraising campaign during the 2022 Captain's Ball resulted in more than $30,000 available for scholarships at the National Mississippi River Museum and Aquarium, according to a press release. The money will support students and families in need to attend day camps in the coming year. Scholarships are available to students who receive free or reduced lunches and applies to the Museum summer and winter break camps, grades K-5, schools out, day camps, grades K-5, early explorers programming, ages 2 to 5, and middle school next-level camps, grades 6 to 8. Scholarships cover the cost of the camp and additional lunch and wraparound care where ap- applicable. Parents can register their children online at rivermuseum.com learn clicking on the camp, camps and programs tab. Platteville JC seeking new members to avoid closure. Platteville, Wisconsin, a Platteville group for young professionals seeks members to avoid shutting down. The Platteville JC's recently put out the call for new members on social media stating that it was, quote, in jeopardy of having to close due to not having enough members and volunteers. The group is for young professionals between the ages of 18 and 40. The JC's are volunteer driven and contribute to several community events throughout the year, including the annual Easter egg hunt and concessions at the 4th of July celebration. The group is meeting at 7 p.m. March 2 at Pioneer Lanes to discuss their options and to answer any questions that potential new members might have. More information is available at facebook.com slash J C. Coppola named Dyersville's Woman of the Year. Jean Coppola was named Dyersville's 2016 Woman of the Year. This is an a, a older story. Uh, but we'll read it anyways. Uh, I think it was on the list because it was an important story at the time. She was named the Woman of the Year during the annual Dyersville Woman's Night at Total Fitness Rec Center. Coppola, kindergarten teacher for 35 years and former West Dubuque school board member, has donated her time to Dyersville Area Community Foundation, Dubuque County Early Childhood Board, Imagine 2020, and Dyersville Campaign for Grade Level Reading since her retirement. Trump absent as Iowa's 2024 GOP caucus train begins to roll. After a slow start, Republican presidential prospects are streaming into Iowa. Lead off, presidential caucus state. This is a story by the Associated Press. Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Nikki Haley is swinging through Iowa this week, fresh off announcing her presidential campaign. Her fellow South Carolinian Republican, Senator Tim Scott will also be here as he decides his political future. And former Vice President Mike Pence was just in the state courting influential evangelical Christian activists. After a slow start, Republican presidential prospects are dreaming into the leadoff presidential caucus date. Notably absent from the lineup, at least, is former President Donald Trump. Few of the White House hopefuls face the lawfully expectations in Iowa that Trump does. He finished a competitive second to devout social conservative Ted Cruz in 2016 and went on to carry the state twice. <laughs> by healthy margins, as a Republican presidential nominee in the 2016 and 2020 elections. It is generally impossible for this guy to try to manage these expectations, said Luke Martz, a veteran of Iowa Republican a veteran Iowa Republican strategist who helped lead Mitt Romney's twenty twelve Iowa caucus campaign. They are enormous, they are self made. I don't see how anyone who is saying I am the guy can come in and even get a second place finish. Yet in the three months since he announced his bid for a comeback, Trump has not set foot in Iowa. The first place, his his claim of party dominance will be tested early next year. To be sure, Trump is making moves in Iowa. On Monday, his team announced it had named a state campaign director. Marshall Moreau who managed the 2022 campaign of Republican Attorney General candidate Brenna Byrd. Byrd defeated Democrat Tom Miller who had been the longest serving attorney general in the country first elected in nineteen seventy eight. Trump has maintained an Iowa political presence with the national campaign team member, Alex Letchham, based in the state. But Trump held a kickoff rally on january twenty eighth in South Carolina, where his twenty sixteen primary victory sealed his status as GOP front runner. and he squeezed in a speaking spot earlier that day at the annual state GOP meeting in New Hampshire, where he also won the first in the nation primary seven years ago. Though the coxes remain nearly a year off, they remain the first event on the calendar, and some the Iowa GOP activists have taken notes of Trump's presence. I found that quite interesting, Gloria, as a chairwoman of the Polk County GOP set of Trump's New Hampshire and South Carolina stops, because Iowa is the first in the nation. Why doesn't everybody come here first? Meanwhile, others are making inroads. Though Pence is not yet a candidate, his advocacy group, Advancing American Values, last week launched a campaign to organize opposition to school policies like one in an eastern Iowa district that has become a flashpoint among conservatives. Pence was in Cedar Rapids on Wednesday rallying opponents of a policy by the nearby Lynn Mar Community School District that is at issue in a federal lawsuit. The school board last year enacted a measure allowing transgender students to request a gender support plan to begin socially transitioning at school without the permission of their parents. The issue and early focus of the 2024 Republican presidential prospects is particularly contentious among Iowa conservatives, with whom Pence routinely says he identifies. At Wednesday's event at a pizza restaurant, it had the feel of an early caucus campaign stop. Pence illustrated its traction. We don't co-parent with government, Pence told a cheering audience of more than 100. We trust parents to protect their children, and no one will ever protect America's children better than their moms and dads. Haley had rallies planned in Des Moines and Cedar Rapids areas on Monday and today. Meanwhile, Scott is speaking at an event at Drake University Wednesday, part of what aides call a national listening tour aimed at informing his plans before addressing the annual Polk County Republican fundraiser. In suburban Des Moines that evening. Quietly making inroads is former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, who visited Iowa in January and met last week with legislative Republicans in the Capitol and Des Moines and Republican activists in western Iowa. Though several would be candidates, including Trump, were in Iowa last year, campaigning for midterm candidates, those first impressions at the outset of the GOP presidential primary are important. That's especially true as many in the G- Iowa GOP wait to see whether Florida Rough Governor Ron DeSantis proceeds with a White House bid. But as the field of candidates grows in the coming months, Trump still retains a core of Republican support that could be hard to overcome. In October, 57% of Iowa of Republicans said they hoped Trump decided to run in 2024, according to a Des Moines Register, Mediacom, Iowa poll, while 33% said he ho- they hoped he would not, and 10% said they were not sure. Of course there's a contingent that will support him regardless, Iowa Republican National Committeeman Chief Scheffler said, but there's an increasing number of people who want to kick the tires before making a decision. That's what gives others an open door. Iowa Ethics Chief No Reason for Probe a Regulator Who Took Industry Jobs Story by Clark Kaufman of the Iowa Capital Dispatch. The Administrator of state's Iowa State Ethics Panel says he sees no reason to investigate a former nursing home, Iowa nursing home regulator, Later, we landed a job in the industry while working for the state. Iowa's so-called revolving door law bars individuals from within two years of leaving their state job, collecting pay from any company in relation to any sort of proceeding they were, quote, directly concerned with in their state job. In 2021, the Deputy Administrator of the Iowa Department of Inspection Appeals Health Facilities Division, which regulates all Iowa nursing homes, left that agency and within days began working for a company that operates 10 Iowa nursing homes. The Iowa Ethics and Campaign Disclosure Board enforces the state's revolving door law. The board's legal counsel and executive director, Zach Goodrich, said he had read a January news article about the DIA issue in the Iowa Capital Dispatch. While the board can investigate such matters on its own initiative, he said, DIA hasn't asked for such a review and he sees no reason to look into the matter. I haven't heard anything from the DIA, so they haven't asked for an official review, Goodard said. We do have the power to investigate it, but when I looked into the matter, just based off the reading of your article and other matters, there wasn't anything that raised us to a level of concern where I think we would start an investigation on our own. Todd Frank, a former Iowa nursing Home Administrator, began working for DIA in November 2020 as Deputy Administrator with this agency's Health Facilities Division. That division is responsible for inspecting, overseeing, and regulating all Iowa nursing homes. According to court filings made by Frank's own attorney on April 26, 2021, Frank received an email from an executive at Beacon Health Management, which owns and manages 10 Iowa nursing homes. That executive told Frank that Beacon was recruiting him for a job as Senior Vice President of Iowa Operations. At the time, Beacon didn't have any Iowa holdings, but was in the process of purchasing the 10-facility Pearl Valley chain of Iowa nursing homes. Within days of the email to Frank, Beacon acquired the chain for $24.2 million. The Beacon executives' email to Frank initiated a months-long period of negotiations in which the company was actively recruiting Frank to head its Iowa operations while Frank was helping direct the health facilities division. During those months, the division cited five of the 10 Pearl Valley nursing homes for a total of 41 violations, resulting in $7,000 in state fines. In August 2021, Frank negotiated terms of employment with Beacon, and in September, he ended his employment with DIA. In early October, he began working for Beacon at an annual salary of $150,000, a substantial increase from his state salary of $88,733. DIA sp- spokeswoman Stephanie Bond has said that while DIA never knew what company Frank was leaving the agency to work for, DIA personnel knew he'd be working somewhere in the industry and so DIA took quote, appropriate action to avoid any conflict of interest. She said DIA maintains high ethical standards and has quote, robust policies regarding conflicts of interest. Iowa's revolving door law is intended to discourage the migration of state regulators into industries they oversaw saw in their state job. The law prohibits state employees who leave their job from collecting compensation within two years of their department. Departure from any company, quote, in relation to any case, proceeding, or application with respect to which the person was directly concerned and personally participated while working for the state. State records show that DIA's Health Facilities Division was overseen, inspecting and imposing fines against Beacons, Iowa's care facilities in 2021 while Frank helped lead the division. And while he was negotiating the terms of his employment contract with Beacon. However, it's not clear how personally involved Frank was in any of DIA's enforcement actions involving Beacon. According to Frank's online resume, he worked as a nursing home administrator for at least four Iowa care facilities. Des Moines Ramsey Village, the Carlisle Car Center, Center for Wellness and Rehab, the Grinnell Health Care Center, and Cedar Falls Healthcare Center before DIA helped him to oversee those and other Iowa care facilities. Frank also worked as Regional Director of Operations for Trillium Health Care Consulting before joining DIA. Each of Iowa's four care facilities operate under the name of Spire, and they're located in Perry, Gowrie, Washington, Donaldson, Musketeen, Sutherland, Estherville, Primger, Lake Park, and Pleasant Valley. Southwest Wisconsin Park to host Winter Hike Bonfire Story from the Telegraph Herald. Belmont, Wisconsin, a state park in southwest Wisconsin, plans a hike and bonfire this weekend in hopes of getting people out and moving in the winter. The free event will take place from 3 to 7 p.m. Saturday, February 25th at Belmont State State Park. Friends of the Belmont Mound State Park will offer hot chocolate and marshmallow roasting at the top of the mound. Snowshoe rentals will be available at the shelter near the parking lot where games and crafts will also take place, Belmont Mound State Park is located at 18650 Lafayette County, G north of Belmont. More information is online at bit.yl/31mqft4. AD Fire Chief redesignated as Chief Fire Officer, East Dubuque, Illinois. East Dubuque Fire, Fire Chief. Joe Heim has been redesignated as a Chief Fire Officer by the Commission on Creden- Professional Credentialing, one of se- 1,776 officers internationally to hold the honor. The designation program is a voluntary program to recognize fire officers who demonstrate excellence in seven areas education, experience, professional development, professional contributions, association membership, community involvement, technical competence, according to a press release. The professional designation is valid for three years and is administered by the Commission on Professional Credentialing, an entity of the Center for Public Safety Excellence. Two other area individuals also hold the Chief of Fire Officer, the Chief Fire Officer designation, William Bingham of Galena, Illinois Area EMS District, and Kevin Esser of Dubuque Fire Department. Galena to hold recycling event this week. Galena, Illinois. The city of Galena will hold an electronics recycling event this week. The event will be held from 8 a.m. to 1:30 p.m. Friday, February 24th, in the parking lot of City Hall. Small electronics can be recycled at no charge, with TVs and computer monitors accepted for $25 per item. A press release notes that used batteries and compact fluorescent light bulbs always are accepted at City Hall for no charge. Monticello hosts long-time custom car show this weekend. Dateline, Monticello, Iowa, the 54th Annual Rod and Custom Car Show will be held this weekend in Monticello. The two-day show is scheduled for 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Friday, February 25th, and 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sunday, February 26th, at the Monticello Berndes Center, 766 North Maple Street. The show features street rods, custom cars, race cars, motorcycles, and pickup trucks. Happy Days Aunt, actor Anson Williams will make appearances both days of the show. The admission price is $10 for adults, $5 for children aged 12 and younger, or free for children with a paid adult admission. Attendees can, can bring a canned food item to donate to Four Oaks for $1 off admission. Hearing set for Western debut calendars. For next school year. Dateline, Epworth, Iowa. Western Dubuque Community School Board members recently set a March 13th public hearing on the 2023-2024 20, 20, school calendars. The district is proposing two calendars, one for grades kindergarten to grade 12 and another for preschool. Dubuque council wants to pause on speed cameras until June. Story by John Cruz, thmedia.com. York City Council members on Monday night pumped the brakes on a push to install automated speed cameras in the city. After extensive discussion among Council members and comments from residents, Council members voted unanimously to postpone to June the first reading of the ordinance detailing how the speed cameras would be implemented and how fines would be issued. Mayor Brad Kavanaugh proposed postponing consideration of the ordinance to give city staff time to conduct a traffic study in May to determine the prevalence of speeding on major city roadways. City staff explained that they could determine how often motors are speeding, but the devices to track traffic speeds could not be placed until temperatures have warmed in order to ensure that they do not get damaged. I'm wondering if there would be any appetite to postpone this particular discussion and figure out how many people are actually speeding, debut, Kavanaugh said. That would be pretty telling. Prior to Kavanaugh's suggestion, city council members were divided on the proposed ordinance. The ordinance stipulated that vehicles detected by the cameras traveling at least 11 miles per hour over the supposed speed limit would receive a fine, with vehicles driving 6 to 10 miles per hour over the speed limit and a school or construction zone also would receive a fine. Civil fines issued through, through by the cameras, though by, through by the cameras, would range from fifty to five hundred dollars, depending upon how much the cited vehicle speed exceeds the speed limit, and whether the violation occurs in a school or construction zone. After a vehicle receives one citation, all subsequent civil fines would charge an additional twenty-five dollars more than their equivalent first offense amount. No fines would be issued for vehicles traveling one to five miles per hour faster than the posted speed limit. Before voting to push the discussion to June, city council members on Monday voted six to one to amend the proposed ordinance to include a stipulation that would exempt all drivers from being charged a civil fine for the first citation issued by the speed cameras. Council members Rick Jones, Danny Sprank, and Susan Farber spoke in favor of moving forward with the cameras, arguing they would make city streets safer. I get a little frustrated when all we are trying to do is ask people to drive the supposed speed limit, Sprank said. We're giving you an 11-mile cushion to drive over the speed limit. However, council members David Resnick, Laura Russell, and Katie Wethel voiced their opposition to the ordinance, with Wethel and Russell saying the city was moving too hastily to implement the cameras before doing more research on the proposal, and Resnick arguing that the cameras contradict the welcoming character of Dubuque. Does this really jibe with what we want to be to be known for as, as people come into the state of Iowa resident gas? Prior to the council's discussion, multiple residents spoke during the meeting to evoke their opposition to the cameras. City staff have not yet determined where cameras will be located and how many will be deployed. The process of hiring a third-party vendor for installation and maintenance of the cameras would begin if and when the ordinance receives final approval. An earlier member to city council members listed several locations as potential camera sites, including this Northwest Arterial, the intersection of Dodge and local streets, US 61 151 and the corridor of Central Avenue and White Street. Kavanaugh on Monday suggested those roadways as locations for the planned speeding study. The implementation of the cameras was proposed to city council members by police chief Jeremy Jensen as a way to encourage motorists to drive slow and improve traffic safety. Particularly at a time when the police department is struggling to fill more than ten vacancies, earlier this month, council members voted 5 to 2 in support of pursuing the proposal, prompting the city staff to draft the ordinances. Dubuque Council OKs Max Property Tax Levy Agreement for $22.5 Million Warehouse. Story by John Cruz, thmedia.com. The following notable action was taken by Dubuque City Council members on Monday. Maximum property tax levy. Action. City council members voted five to two to set the city's maximum property tax levy amount for the fiscal year 2024 at $26,546,601, which, if maintained, likely would result in an increase in property tax rates. Mayor Brad Cavanaugh and city council members David Resnick voted against the motion. Background. City council members Our city officials are in the process of building the city budget for fiscal year 2024, which begins on July 1. State law requires the city council to establish a maximum property tax levy that it may not exceed, but which can be decreased in its budget. The approved levy amount represents a 1.6% increase over the previous fiscal year and equates to a maximum property tax rate of about $9.89 per $1,000 of assessed value, up from the current rate of 9.69 9.69 per $1,000. The 9.89 rate would amount to a $30.66 increase in the city portion of a property tax bill for the average Dubuque homeowner. Property taxes for commercial and industrial properties also would increase. City staff proposed a 0.7% increase in total property level amount, but city council members voted 5 to 2 at their last meeting to establish the higher maximum rate. Resnick and Kavanaugh also voted against that measure. What's next? Starting today, city officials will hold a series of sessions to discuss individual city department budget requests. The city budget must be approved by March 31. New warehouse for Simmons. Action. City council members voted 7-0 to approve a development agreement with CIPL Warehouse LLC for the construction of a $22.5 million warehouse. Background Though the development, Through the development agreement, Saipo Warehouse will buy 15.5 acres from the city to construct the 190,000 square foot warehouse, which will lease to Simmons Pet Food once it is completed. Saipo Warehouse will purchase the property for $1,489,500. About $744,500 of that purchase cost would be reimbursed through the, through the developer through an acquisition grant provided by the City. The City also agrees to provide a warehouse with 10 years of tax increment financing and rebates for the project, expected to total about $4.3 million. What's next? Construction of the warehouse will begin in April and is expected to be completed by the end of the year. As part of the agreement, Simmons Pet Food must create the equivalent of 10 full-time jobs. Childcare Center Action City Council members voted 7-0 to amend Zone B of the Dubuque Industrial Center West planned unit development to allow for the creation of a new child care center. Background Dubuque Initiative intends to create a new child care center at 7900 Chavanel Road using about one-third of the existing 67,000 square foot building on the property. The site formerly housed Medline before that company built a new facility nearby. Using a $2.16 million state grant, the new child care facility will be run by the Dubuque community, YMCA slash YWCA. What's next? The facility is expected to open by the end of 2023. Dubuque initiatives previously reported the project will create 120 new child care slots with a future maximum capacity of 225 slots. The Dubuque Police and Dubuque County Sheriff's Department reported. Maurice The Angry 34, no permanent address, was arrested at 6.44 a.m. Monday at Dubuque Law Enforcement Center on warrants charging false imprisonment, domestic assault with strangulation, domestic assault with injury, first-degree harassment, fourth-degree theft, and four counts of child endangerment. Joshua R. Graves, 34, of rural Dubuque, was arrested at 5.06 a.m. Monday at Dubuque Law Enforcement Center on a warrant charging domestic assault, third or subsequent offense. Michael T. Parker, 43 of 1590 Local Street was arrested at 1251 a.m. Monday at his residence on charges of domestic assault with strangulation and domestic assault with injury. Edward D. Adams, 30 of 2170 Central Avenue, was arrested at 550 a.m. Sunday in the 400 block West 9th Street on charges of control by firearm, by a felon, third-degree harassment, and driving while barred. The theft of a snowblower worth $800 was reported at 400 at 4.48 p.m. Friday in the 22,000 block of Sunnyview Drive. A case of credit card fraud resulting in theft of $635 was reported at 10.27 a.m. Friday in the 600 block of Wacker Drive. Woman sentenced for assaulting man in Dubuque accused of threats with a knife. Tory by Telegraph Herald, a woman recently was sentenced to two years probation for assaulting a man in Dubuque to renew she accused of threatening him with a knife. Romika Mika, E.E. E. Wade, 29, of Chicago, was given a deferred judgment in Iowa District Court of Dewey County after pleading guilty to a charge of assault. With a deferred judgment, if probation payment obligations are successfully completed, the record of the case is expunged. Wade initially was charged with domestic assault with display or use of a weapon, but pleaded guilty to the lesser included charge. As part of her sentence, Wade also must pay a $105 fine. According to the sentencing order from Iowa District Judge Associate. Judge Mark Hosteger, OWI convictions, deferments in Dubuque County, January convictions, and the deferments in Iowa District Court of Dubuque County for charges of operating while intoxicated all our first offense convictions unless otherwise noted. The date listed is the date of arrest. There are actually dozens of these cases, uh, so I will not read them all, but here are a few. Antonio C. Bonner, 29, August 31, Benjamin R. Barden, 21, July 4th. Madeline D. E. camp 27, July 5th. Corey J. Crawford 29, August 7th, 3rd offense. Timothy G. Frith, Junior, 26, September 4th, 2nd offense. You are listening to the reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald for Tuesday, February 21, 2023 20, on Iris the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind. Now let's turn to today's obituaries. Henry Wilhelm, Dyersville, Iowa. Henry J. Heine Wilhelm, 82, of Dyersville, Iowa, passed away Friday, February 17, 2023, at Stonehill Care Center in Dubuque, surrounded by his family. Visitation will be from 2 to 8 p.m. Wednesday, February twenty-second, at Kramer Funeral Home, 750 12th Avenue, Southwest in Dyersville. Visitation will continue Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. at Kramer Funeral Home prior to the funeral services. A Mass of Christian Burial will be held at 10.30 a.m. on Thursday, February 23, 2023 at St. Francis Xavier Basilica in Dyersville, Iowa. The Burial in the Church Cemetery. The Rev. Chris Podhatchke will officiate. Heine was born October 29, 1940 in Dyersville, Iowa, the son of John and Lorraine Benke Wilhelm. He grew up in Dyersville, graduating in 1958 from Xavier High School in Dyersville. After graduation, he enlisted in the Iowa National Guard. He was united in marriage to Judith March on April 28, 1962 at St. Paul's Parish in Worthington, Iowa. Together, they raised their family in Dyersville. Heine worked in printing his entire entire life. He joined the Dyersville Commercial and Gutenberg Press in 1916 and remained there for 39 years. He printed and transported the paper between the towns every Tuesday night for many years. In 2000, Heine joined the staff of the Dubuque Advertiser until his retirement in 2008. After his retirement, he took on new roles as Grandpa Judy, helping feed and hold babies for his wife's and child home care. He also enjoyed spending time with his family, going on many trips north to fish and visit with family, and playing cards. His sense of humor, especially being silly with his grandchildren, will be fondly remembered. Heine especially enjoyed many evenings on the port swing with the love of his life, Junie. Heine was a lifelong member of St. Francis Xavier Catholic Parish in Dyersville. He survived by six adult children Ann Paul Rechterman of Coggan, Iowa, Debbie Carl Vorwald of New Viana, Iowa. Don Donnie, Kathleen Wilhelm of Epworth, Iowa, Tammy, James Clement of Dyersville, Iowa, Tina Gerald Trowbridge of Urbandale, Iowa, and John Bridget Wilhelm of Piazza, Iowa. Sixteen grandchildren, Doug Daniel Fortman, and many others here, all listed here. He was preceded in death by his wife, Judy, in 2017. His parents' brother-in-law, Norbert Nachman, William Wolbring, Lyle Harbaugh, Robert Larr, John Jack March, and sister in law Betty March. The family would like to thank the staff at Ellen Kennedy Living Center, Stonehill Care Center, and Hospice of Dubuque for their wonderful care. Kramer Funeral Home in Dyersville is assisting the family, and information is available at www.kramerfuneral.com. Memorials may be sent to Kramer Funeral Home in care of the deceased. 750 12th Avenue Southwest, Dyersville, Iowa, 52040. Charles F. Gaffney. Dateline Manchester, Iowa. Charles Francis Gaffney, 93 of Manchester, Iowa, passed away on Saturday, February 18, 2023, at the Good Neighbor Home in Manchester. Survivors include his wife of 72 years, Janet Gaffney of Manchester, three children, Kathy Dick Conrad of Marion, Jim Lupe Gaffney of Glendale, Arizona, and Mary. Kevin Milroy of Silver Spring, Maryland, eight grandchildren, and other family members. In lieu of flowers, memorials are preferred by the family. Online condolences may be sent to www.leonard-mullerfh.com. Massive Christian Burial, 1030 a.m. on Saturday, February 20. 5th 2023 at St Mary Catholic Church in Manchester Iowa with the Reverend Gabriel Anderson officiating. Visitation from 4 to 7 p.m. Friday February 24th 2023 at leonard Muller Funeral Home in Manchester where there will be a 3:30 p.m. Public Knights of Columbus Rosary Service. Friends may also call from 9:30 a.m. until 10:15 a.m. prior to the service at church on Saturday. Interment with military rights St Mary Catholic Cemetery. Manchester, Iowa. Norma D. Egbert, Hanover, Illinois. Norma D. Egbert, 85 of Hanover, died on Wednesday, February 15th, 2023. Graveside services will be held at 1 p.m. Thursday, April 20th at Log Church Cemetery in Elizabeth Township. Law Jones Funeral Home of Hanover is assisting the family. Betty Fosdick. Deadline, Savannah, Illinois. Betty I. Fosdick, ninety-three of Savannah, died Tuesday, February fourteenth, twenty twenty-three. Visitation will be held from nine to eleven a.m. Saturday, March fourth, at Saint Peter's Lutheran Church in Savannah, where services will follow. Burial will be in Savannah Township Cemetery, Law Jones Funeral Home of Savannah is assisting. The fam. Carla D. Kipper, East Dubuque, Illinois. Carla D. Kipper, 58, of East Dubuque, died Sunday, February 19, 2023. Visitation will be held from 4 to 7 p.m. Friday, February twenty-fourth, at Miller Funeral Home in East Dubuque. Joshua Holtz, Manchester, Iowa. Joshua Holtz, 48, of Manchester, died Friday, February 17, 2023. A celebration of life will be held from 2 to 5 p.m. Saturday, March twenty-fifth, at the Delaware County Community Center in Manchester. Murdoch Funeral Homes and Cremation Service of Marianne is assisting the family. Here are funeral services. Kevin L. Cook, Dubuque, visitation, 4 to 7 p.m. today and from 9.30 to 11.10, I'm sorry, from 9.30 to 10.15 a.m. Tuesday, February 21 at St. Luke's Methodist Church, service, 10.30 a.m. Tuesday at the church. Eric M. Fagan, Monticello, Iowa, service, 11 a.m. today. Sacred Heart Catholic Church, Monticello. Grace Feldman, Worthington, Iowa. Visitation 2 to 7 p.m. today and 9 to 10 a.m. Tuesday, February 21. Kramer Funeral Home, Dyersville. Massive Christian Burial. 10 30 a.m. Tuesday, St. Paul Catholic Church, Worthington. Carol A. Gullock, Dubuque. Visitation 9 15 to 10 15 a.m. Saturday, February 25. St. Raphael Cathedral. Mass of Christian burial ten thirty AM Saturday at the Cathedral. Jan An M. Hancock Dubuque Mass of Christian Burial ten thirty AM today, Saint Columbico Catholic Church. Gay Nell Camerood Dubuque Celebration of Life four to seven PM Friday, february twenty fourth, Muller Mueller Funeral Memorial Chapel, Linwood Cemetery. Christina J. Knepper. Cascade, Iowa. Visitations 2 to 7 p.m. today. Bride Funeral Home, Cascade. Service 4 p.m. Monday at the Funeral Home. Richard A. Liebfried, Dubuque. Visitation 9 to 1045 a.m. Thursday, February 23rd. Church of the Resurrection. Massive Christian Burial, 11 a.m. Thursday at the Church. Betty Smith, Cincinnati, Wisconsin. Service 1030 a.m. today. Cincinnati, Wisconsin, Mound. Jeffrey J. Tibby, Dubuque Visitation, 4 to 8 p.m. Today with a wake service at 3.45 p.m. Leonard Funeral Home and Crematory, 2595 Rockdale Road, Massive Christian Burial, 10 a.m. Tuesday, February 21, St. Joseph the Worker Catholic Church. Here's a look at some local business news. HomeGoods Coming to Dubuque Prompting Movement at Mall. Story by Kaylee Reist at TH Media Dot com. A major homeware retailer is coming to Dubuque. Home Goods will open at Kennedy Mall in the next 12 months, mall spokesman Joe Bell confirmed to the Telegraph Herald on Monday. It's always important to bring in popular retailers, and this is one of those out there, Bell said. It will be a part of the reshuffling we're doing at the facility. Home Goods is one of the major retailers under TJX companies, which also operates TJ Maxx and Marshalls. HomeGoods was introduced in the U.S. in 1992, and now operates more than 800 locations across the country, selling a wide variety of homeware, furniture, and decor. HomeGoods officials did not respond to requests for comment Monday. The HomeGoods location will span 24,217 square feet in space currently occupied by Books a Million, as well as four adjacent stores that are now vacant. Books a Million will move into a 12,212 square foot. Square foot portion of the former Yonkers women's store. Bell said demolition work on the new home goods store has not started yet. However, he confirmed the store will be accessible to shoppers from both the mall parking lot inside of the mall. Bell said he was not sure when mall officials began speaking with home goods about the potential for a Dubuque location, but the conversations have been continual for a while. The process, especially for larger spaces and larger stores such as home goods, can be a several year process, he said. We undergo these discussions with a lot of these retailers all the time. It was a matter of time to bring their home goods brand to Dubuque. The adjacent four adjacent vacant store spaces that will be part of Home Goods Footprint previously housed Great American Cookies, Merle, Norman Cosmetics Lids and Captured On Canvas. Great American Cookies closed in the Dubuque and the Kennedy Mall in 2018, after more than 20 years in that location. Lids closed in 2019, after five years in business. Merle Norman Cosmetics moved to a new location at 806 Wacker Drive, Suite 138 in January, after 16 years in the mall. Captured on Canvas, which has been in the mall since the fall of 2021, moved last month. The new location in the mall is directly across from Bath & Body Works in the former Children's Place site. Captured on canvas, owner Mercedes Fab said mall officials brought the need to move to her attention last summer. The space that we have is quite a bit larger, she said. If anything, we're able to provide more selection in our products and we have a larger paint area for classes. We can actually accommodate painters. Fab also owns the consignment store Maker's Market, which is directly across from the future home goods site. I find it exciting, she said of the new store. I think it'll definitely increase mall traffic. It'll only help out the mall. Belso there's not currently definite dates when Books and Milling will close or reopen in the new space, but the store will have an entrance both from the inside of the mall and from the parking lot. Staff at Dubuque's Books and Milling told Telegraph Herald comment further on the store's move. The store only will take up a fraction of the seventy thousand square feet previously used by the Yonkers Roman store. Yonkers vacated space in summer of twenty eighteen the space is set empty of a retailer ever since. However, the former store was used as a Dubu County COVID-19 vaccination site in 2021. Bell said the remaining square footage of the former Yonkers department store potentially could be used by other retailers. Whenever you have something that size of a department store like that, it can be very difficult to find a replacement for that, he said. A lot of retailers have downsized their footprint. We found it very often makes sense to divide into smaller store spaces. That's a great space for a lot of different uses. Bell also tease futures Kennedy Mall announcements to come in the months ahead. We're talking to a lot of different businesses that have expressed interest in the Kennedy Mall property, and we expect over the course of the next few months to have more announcements, he said. BizBuzz, Dubuque Transmission Shop closes. New owner of Platteville Fitness Studio. Bellevue Couple opens Barbershop. Story by Kaylee Reese at THMedia.com. Business tips, do you have a b- Interesting story or a tip to share about a local business? Ideas can be shared with business reporter Kaylee Reese at kaylee.reese at thmedia.com or at 563-588-5673. BizBuzz shares business tidbits from across the tri-state area. This edition highlights developments in Dubuque, Botville, Wisconsin, and Bellevue, Iowa. A long-time Dubuque transmission repair shop recently closed its doors, but its owner hopes someone else will take over the business. M. K. Maddock Transmission Company, 840 Garfield Street, closed in early January after owner Rod Clement found out he had a brain tumor. Clement already planned to retire in November of this year, but moved up his timeline following the health news. I would love for someone to come in and start over, Clement said of the business. That would be the best case scenario. I've had a lot of fun here. I do miss it. I sure enjoy the place. M. K. Maddock was opened on Kauffman Avenue by Maynard Keener. In 1956. In 1959, Keener built a shop at 840 Garfield. Clement City became an employee at MK Matic in 1983. He and former business partner Bob Wineshank took over as owners in 1995. Wineshank owner retired in 2015 and Clement has run the business alone since. I put a lot of pride in this business, Clement said. MK Matic was a great business full of wonderful owners and employees for 67 years. Clement said he had to shut the shop down after finding out about the brain tumor on January 6th. He said he hopes to find someone over the next two or three months that will take over the transmission shop. And if not, he will auction off everything inside the shop. Donna Clement called her husband, quote, the biggest car guy there is and hopes someone will continue his legacy at the shop while he undergoes treatment. We're preparing for the worst, but hoping for the best. She said, those interested in MK Matic space or business can email MK Rod at Y-O-U-S-Q dot net. Platteville Fitness Studio gets new name owner. Platteville uh, Platteville Fitness Studio will soon have a new name and owner. Platteville Cycling and Fitness, 20 East Main Street, will become Driftless Fitness and Yoga as of March 1. On that date, Linda Fanzler will also take over as owner from Eddie Graffin. I'll still teach yoga and all the instructors that will teach me for there will teach me as well. Fanzler said, Really, the only thing it changes is the name. Everything else is going to stay the same. Fanzler said she took yoga classes from Grafen for years before coming an Instructor for her in November of 2021. Fanzler said she was asked to see if she would be interested in coming over, taking over the studio around last Christmas. The studio's name change stemmed from Fanzler's desire to have something more generic in case the studio expands to other areas in the future, she said. Fanzer, who is also part owner of Southwest County, said she'll wait until after tax season to see if any changes, she thinks any changes or additions need to be made to the studio. However, she said her daughter, Riley Fanzer, who is going to the University of Minnesota for athletic training, will teach virtual fitness classes. Everything else is going to stay exactly the same until I can breathe the summer and see if there are other classes out there people are wanting to do. I'm usually open to any ideas people have and we'll see if something might work. Driftless Fitness and Yoga can be reached via email at, driftlessfitnesssandyyoga. at email, gmail and can be found online at com. Classes can be scheduled at com. Bellevue Couple opens Barbershop. A Bellevue Couple recently opened a barbershop with the community, emphasizing walk-in opportunities. Victoria and Libby Small open Fade Babe. 132 North Riverview Street in the space that previously housed the Hometown Bunnies, Hometown Honeys, and Happy Stems. Years ago there was a barber shop here, and I had a very nostalgic feel, feel for it, said Victoria of Bellevue and My dad took me to the barber shop when I was younger to get his hair cut. I had been doing hair in Iowa City, and I saw how many hair salons we had in town, but none of them were walking base. I felt that's what this town needed. Victoria has been doing hair for six years. Though this is her first time owning a shop. She and her wife moved to Bellevue to run the business at Libby's encouragement, as Libby enjoyed the small town feel. While the barber shop takes appointments for hard coloring and extensions, Victoria said she wanted to make haircuts and face waxing, walk-in based. For second shift people, especially farmers and laborers, they don't have a plan out schedule of how long they're going to be out in the field. She said, I wanted to provide them an opportunity to be out in the field and to be able to come in and get their hair done nicely when they can. Victoria is the only stylist working in the barbershop now, but she has space to add five people. Libby, who is a full-time EMT in McColkida, involved your EMT and firefighter in Bellevue, helps with marketing and managing the front desk when she has time. It's been going really well, said Victoria's other of the business. I'm excited for warmer weather for more people to come in and see who we are and what we do. Fade Babe is open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday as well as 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Saturday. The business can be reached at 319 536 2826. This shop can be found on Facebook at facebook.com slash fade babe and on Instagram at fade underline underline barber In Iowa News, chickadee checkoff donations to aid wildlife. Keep following in Iowa. Story by Aaron Jordan, The Gazette, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Donations to Iowa's Fish and Wildlife Fund formerly informally called the Chickadees Checkoff near nearly 15% last year but have been gradually shrinking since the fund was created in the early 1980s. Studying support for non Iowa's non-game animals including songbirds, turtles, frogs, owls, and salamanders is needed more than ever as many species decline in numbers, most because of lost habitat. North America has lost nearly 30% of its birds, about 3 million since the 1970s, according to a 2019 article in the journal Science. There's a lot of vulnerable wildlife. We still don't have a good feel for how they're doing, said Stephanie Shepard, a wildlife diversity biologist for the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. The Cedar Rapids Gazette reports that when the Iowa legislature created the Chickadee Checkoff in 1982, Iowans were eager to check the box on their state income tax forms. This, that year, Iowans devoted $238,477, which would be more than $700,000 today. Over the years, more checkoff programs were added for taxpayers to make donations to other causes, including the State Fair, Firefighters Preparedness and Veterans Trust Fund, Child Abuse Prevention. Those checkoffs are listed in the Contribution Line 57 under Step 9 on the Iowa 1040, Individual Income Tax rate Returns. But more than 90% of Iowans filed their individual taxes, Income taxes online, the Iowa Department of Revenue reported, and it may be harder to find the checkoff line through online programs. Of online filers in Iowa, 65% hire a tax preparer who isn't likely to ask whether taxpayers want to donate through the checkoff, Shepard said. They're trying to help people get through this process most people don't enjoy as quickly as possible. Iowans who want to donate through the checkoff should tell their tax preparer in advance but if they forget, Iowa now has an online site where people can make donations directly through the Wildlife Diversity Program. The programs donors have steadily declined in number over the years from nearly 13,000. In 2003, the first year, Iowa DNR tracked the number of donors to 6,269 for tax year 2021. Those donors were extra generous in 2020 when the COVID-19 pandemic made outdoor spaces some of the only safe areas for recreation socializing. About 7,200 donors gave an average $24 donation that year, which resulted in $175,000 for the Wildlife Diversity Program. Average donation amounts were about the same in 2021, but there were 1,000 fewer donors. Just under $150,000 was sentenced to to prison in a four-failed Iowa music festival. Dateline Associated Press. Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Two leaders of a Cedar Rapids tourism board have been ordered to serve time in federal prison for defrauding a bank to support a music festival that lost $2.3 million. Aaron McRite, the former CEO of Go Cedar Rapids, was sentenced to 18 months. And Douglas Hargrave, the former chief financial officer, to 15 months. The Des Moines Register reports that both also were ordered together to pay more than $1.4 million in restitution. McQuaid and Harvey have previously admitted to defrauding the Cedar Rapids Bank by misrepresenting revenue projections to get loans for a new poll evolve. The three-day 2018 music festival staged by Cedar Rapids, Go Cedar Rapids, included performances by the band Maroon 5 and singer Kelly Clarkson. As the event date approached, the tourism agency did not have the money to, among other things, pay Clarkson or buy alcohol for the concert venue, pr- prosecutor said. Of Cedar Rapids couldn't repay a $1.5 million loan from Bankers Trust or $800,000 promise to vendors that eventually went out of business. After his firing, McCray was hired to run the tourism board in Dotham, Alabama, which stood by him after a charge of renounce the Dothan Eagle reported Thursday that McCray had resigned. Here's a letter to the editor from Thomas Boxleiter, Kirkwood Street, Dubuque. Over-the-counter sales of Narcan pose concern. I am writing to express concerns about Narcan becoming available over-the-counter. As the medical director at Mercy's Turning Point Substance Abuse Treatment Center, I deal with patients that are addicted to narcotics, many of whom have been saved by Narcan. I support greater availability of this life-saving drug. Our program, as well as others in the community pharmacies, have worked together to achieve that goal. That said, my concern is that Narcan is only a stopgap measure, and use of it should always be a precursor to immediate transport to a full-service medical facility. Especially with the wider availability of fentanyl, one dose of Narcan is not likely to be life-saving on its own. Repeated doses are often necessary as well as respiratory support. It is not uncommon for an overdose victim to receive a single dose of Narcan, appear appear to recover, and be left alone, only to die later when the Narcan effect is overwhelmed by the opiate, usually fentanyl. It is essential that anyone purchasing Narcan be aware of, made aware of these limitations. Lives depend upon it. Here's a letter from Grace Wethel, Fenelon Place, Dubuque, Iowa. Brain health rooms benefit Dubuque students. Hempstead Senior and Wallard High Catholic High Schools were, recent, were given brain health rooms by N. Stigma Now. The rooms all look the same with comfy chairs, affirmations on the wall, calming music, These rooms allow students to relax and be in a state of serenity. Students go to the brain health room when they feel overwhelmed, anxious, or simply need a break. In these rooms, you're able to use calming techniques like drawing or writing to calm your mind. It provides a safe place to talk to a brain health room liaison who gives tips on how to calm the mind, enabling students to feel safe and supported. Students are able to access the brain health room throughout the day for 15 minutes at a time. The rooms have been successful in allowing students to improve their mental health. If all schools in Iowa had these rooms, we might see a decrease in depression, anxiety, and suicide rates in Iowa. Brain health rooms could be a turning point in mental health for Iowa teenagers. The Iowa Department of Education should fund or find funding for all high schools across Iowa to receive brain health rooms. Every high school student in Iowa, no matter what their socioeconomic status should have the ability to learn how to deal with stress. Here's some sports news prep bowling. Maquoketa sweeps Class 1A state team titles. Story by Jim Leitner, thmedia.com. K- Maquoketa left little doubt about which community can be considered the Class 1A bowling capital of Iowa. Cardinals swept the Boys and Girls Team Championship at Cadillac, XBC, in Waterloo and marked the first state titles for both programs. West Delaware fell to top-seeded commands in the quarterfinal. And that does it for today's reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald for Tuesday, February 21, 2023. I'm your reader, Bill Petrosky. You can access a recording of today's reading on our website, iowaradioreading.org, at any time. Thank you for listening.